tonight we just want to continue further. Uh, it's not what happened to us that determine how we look at ourselves, how we perceive who we are, but rather is how we perceive what happened to us that really matters. Okay, let me say that again. You know, we have different experiences. Every one of us have, have uh, bad experiences and so on. And even with uh, uh, same fami- family members, you know, you have the same experience in the same family. But yet, different one of us are affected differently. You know, we don't, uh, we don't uh, have the same effect because of uh, uh, what happened in the family, but we, we, we sort of come out differently. The reason is in our perception. Okay, we perceive things differently. So it, it's really not what happened to us that determines how we uh, look at ourselves, but rather is in how we perceive uh, what happened to us. Okay, let me just uh, tell you this story. I think you may have heard it many times before about these twin brothers. They are born in a very uh, broken family. The father is a drunkard and come back, abuse the family, abuse the mother uh, and the children and so on. And uh, so they did a research on these twin brothers. And then after they've grown up and they go back to this this uh, the, the brother again. So they interview one of the brothers. The result of that brother was he was a drunk. So he said, well, what can I do? I was brought up in this family. My brother and my father were so abusive and so on. So like father, like son. And that's how I end up drunk. But uh, when they go and look out for the other twin brother, and he was a professor in, in a university, and they, they, they interview him again and, well, and ask him, you know, how come? He, he ended up as a professor and the, the brother was a drunkard. He said, when I was growing up, I, I experienced abuse that my father, a drunkard, did to our family, how much he has hurt us. So in my heart, I determined when I grew up, I'm never going to be like my father. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to be a different person. So you see, two person twins, brother in the same family, experience the same abuse, and yet they have a two different lives. You know, it's how they perceive what happened to them that finally determines how they will live and, and, and who they will be. Okay, so the same thing uh, with us. Okay, how we perceive things determines how we receive those messages. So, but how we perceive things depends on our temperament. Okay, why one person look at the incidents, think this way, the other person look at the same incidents, think another way. It's it's affected. It's affected by our temperament. We know that we have a unique self and each one of us are born with a different temperament or a different mix of temperament. You know, if we tend to work being a thinker, so when we look at what happened to us, we will take it personally. We will, we will sort of uh, uh, 
keep thinking about the same thing and work it in our mind. You know, we begin to think and think. And uh, we, we took it personally. So, so any bad things that happens to us, we take it personally. So we begin to have a, tend to have a negative self-image. We begin to feel that we are no good, we're inferior. That's why these things happened to us. That's why people did that to me and so on. So we tend to be sort of uh, negative, right? But if you are a feeler type of temperament, well, you definitely would be very upset when something bad happened to you, something nasty hurts. You know, you are able to express the emotion. You're able to cry and, and uh, really get upset about the whole thing. But being a feeler type of temperament, what happens is after the ordeal is over, maybe one or two days, you just get over it and it, it's just a new day. You know, you, you, you forget about what happened. You don't take it personally. You just got over that, that experience and there you go. It's a new day. You're so happy and think life just go on. Right? If you have that feeler type of temperament. But if you're a doer type of temperament, you, you don't care. Right? People talk. People say things uh, uh, nasty about you and so on. You know, you, you don't care about what they say. You're a doer. You will determine what happened to you determine your future. You will decide what you want to do. And you just you are just able to, to just uh, sort of move on and, and not be really affected by what happened. So our temperament does affect how we perceive things. So each one of us have a different temperament. That's why we we sort of respond to things differently. Okay, but that affects, you know, that affects how we perceive ourselves because those things are registered in our uh, mind or even in our subconscious mind and, and it affects us. Okay, the other thing that uh, affects our uh, self-image is our attitude. Is our attitude. You know, because sometimes in life we, we face criticism and uh, people tell us, you know, what, what we did and so on. So if we have a bad attitude. We want to defend ourselves. We want to argue and so on. So we will continue to remain in that sort of uh, that sort of uh, uh, performance or that sort of behavior. And so it doesn't help our self-image, right? But if we have a good attitude, somebody criticizes us and, and tell us things. We're able to receive it. We're able to correct it. So our life begins to grow. So as our life grows, we feel better about ourselves because we, we can see that hey, there are changes. You know, we are, we are, we are growing, we are uh, making improvement. And so we learn as a person and, and we feel good, we feel better. And therefore that helps us to move towards a better self-image, you know, how we perceive ourselves. And the other factor that affects how uh, we look at things is our knowledge and faith in God. Our knowledge and faith in God. Remember, we talk about Caleb and Joshua. We talk about the, the other ten spies, the nation of Israel. You know, all these people, they have gone through the same experience. Okay? They suffered the same thing under the Egyptians. 
They have seen the same miracles that, that God has done. They have experienced the great miracles that God did. But the ten spies look at themselves as grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb, they look at themselves so differently. So I want you to look at the Numbers 13 and see the contrast in how uh, they look at the same thing, right? Numbers 13, we go back to that verse in verse 33 again and look at it. So these are the ten spies. This is what they say. The last part, he say, they say, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Okay, so they look at a giant as so big and uh, they look at themselves as so tiny, right? But how did Joshua and Caleb, uh, particularly Caleb, look at... Uh, Themselves, look at the nation of Israel. You look at chapter 14. 14, verse 8. Verse 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of that land because we will swallow them up. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. There you go. The two extreme. Same, you know, experience, but two totally different view of what happened. You know, one is we will be crushed because they are giant. We are so tiny. And Joshua and Caleb look at it from the other way and say, we will swallow them up because we are so strong. We are so mighty because God is with us. And who are they? You know? So Joshua and Caleb saw those giant, giant in the eyes of God, in the eyes of faith. And they say, well, these giants are peanuts. We can just swallow them because God is with us. So it's important, you know, if we want to have a right perception about ourselves, not basing on natural circumstances, not basing on uh, what we can see, but if we can see in through the eyes of God, if we can see through the eyes of faith, we will be able to see a lot of things differently. Things that happen to us. We'll be able to see it differently. You know, because we know that God is with us. And we will have victory over all those uh, negative circumstances uh, in our life. So we will not blame. Right? We will not blame anybody. We will not uh, try and justify our failure and so on. Because we know that God is with us. So we look at these different factors that affect how we perceive things and how we perceive things finally will result in the, the, the perception that we have about ourselves. Okay, we just move on a little uh, bit now. We talk a little bit more about the role of our parents in the formation of our self-image. 
You know, our parents, they are so important to us. And uh, they are the mirror for us to look at ourselves. As I say, we don't know who we are. And uh, we, we look at them. We look at how they treat us. We look at how they uh, spend time with us or not spend time with us. How they talk to us or not talk to us. And all these things, you know, they become a mirror for us to begin to see, oh, I'm lovely. Oh, I'm unlike. I'm not welcome. I am... You know, a nuisance to to people and so on, right? So, so our parents are so important in the in the formation of our uh, self image. But some of us, maybe our father may die when we were very very young, or even before we were born and so on. But God is a good God. So there are other people, uh, authority figures in our life that that can take the place. Uh, that somehow will help us and, 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 and minister to us uh, uh, just like how our parents would, you see. So, so that also helps, you know, there are God's agents to take care of us and that can help us to, to also uh, know that we, uh, we, we are loved and so on. Okay, so a young child sees himself in the mirror of his parents' evaluation. Right, so our words are so important when our children come home with whatever they have done and so on. And, and our comments, our evaluation of, of what they have done, you know, somehow we have an impact upon their life, how they see themselves as capable, you know, use uh, uh, very intelligent, smart, or they see themselves as good for nothing or, or never good enough. You know, I talk about... Uh, Children come home with very high marks, 98 marks, and yet the mother will scold the child for a careless mistake and so on. So you see, we we impart the message that we're never good enough. 98 marks is also not good enough. So you've got to be perfect. You've got to have 100, you see? Uh, so, So sometimes when we keep doing this, we keep doing this, eventually, you know what happened? Our child give up. And so they they will... They will deliberately fail the thing, you know, fail the exam or, or something like that. You know, it's, it's all in the subconscious, you know, and, and because they realize, what's the point? I've done so well, but it's never good enough. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I improved, but still it's not good enough. So I just give up. Okay, so that thing could, could happen, you know, if we, if we uh, are not sensitive to how we should... Uh, Encourage our kids and reward them and, and praise them. Okay, as far as uh, boys and girls, there is a difference on, on, on who influences us uh, more. You know, girls, young girls, father is very important. Okay, your relationship with your father, how your father treats you, how your father talks to you, you know, it, it's very important. It affects you, your self-image more than your mother when you're young. Okay, in fact, they, they told us it's, it's 85%, you know, your, your self-image, you, you, you got it from the, 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 the evaluation or the, or the feedback or, or the relationship that you have with your uh, father. But for boys, it's, it's half-half, you know, mother and father, you know, they, they are just 
as equally important uh, in in their response to us. Okay, uh, but I think I suppose you can see that naturally. You know, those of us we have girls, we have young, uh, we have daughters, and uh, when they're young, they somehow know how to get round to the father. If you have been a father with a little girl. You, you know how you know how they, they they can they somehow seem to be more attached you know in some ways uh, uh, to, to the fathers you see they, they just how to be daddy's little girl you understand what I'm saying you know and so because they they crave they wanted that sort of assurance that daddy loved me daddy you know wants me daddy think that I'm, I'm I'm good and so on because it's important to them in the formation of their Self-image, you know. But uh, boys, you don't, you don't see that so much, right? Uh, so, so that's what they told us. Okay. So, uh, besides how we treat our kids, uh, time, the time spent, is important too. Time spent because to them, time spent mean uh, means love. Okay, you spend time with them. That means love. You see. Okay. Right, so when we uh, do not feel lovable, we do not feel protected uh, by our parents, and uh, it affects us. How does it affect us? We begin not to realize our intrinsic value, you know, the value that we are born with as a human, the value that God has created us with. You know, we tend not to realize that because that doesn't change. The value that the intrinsic value each one of us have doesn't change because we, we are created in God's image. We are valuable. But when we get uh, the wrong kind of messages, we, we, we tend not to feel that we are of worth and, and we are valuable. And so, what do we do? We mentioned we go for performance, we go towards pleasing people. Pleasing people. Okay, why? Because we want to get the opinions about us. We want them to say good things about us so that we can say, hey, I'm good because so-and-so say I'm good. Okay, because, because we're not getting the right uh, messages from the significant people in our life. So we go for performance and, and uh, trying to please people. And, uh, but if that is not enough, you know, we try, we try to do, but, but somehow we cannot gain uh, that sort of uh, uh, positive messages. Then we go for attention. We go for admiration, right? Some kids, they are not, I'm not talking about the hyperactive kids. I'm talking about kids who, who are really naughty. They just want to uh, irritate you and, 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 and what are they doing? They are trying to gain your attention. They need the, the extra love. Or, or, you know, that, that they want it from you, but they are not getting it. So they do things. They do funny things or, or things that will irritate you. At least they get your attention. You know, that's what they want because they are not getting enough love. And uh, uh, other kids, uh, people go for admiration, right? Uh, so we talk about, we talk about, uh, people who, who dress up well and so on, you know, uh, maybe we can talk about the punk rockers, right? How they do their hairs and, and it's outrageous, you know. What do they do? 
They want people to look at them. Attention. Right? They want people to admire them. Because inside, they're crying out for love. And they're not getting the love they need. So, that's what they go for. Attention, admiration, approval to win the affirmation from the significant people in their life. Okay. Uh, so, because we need to perform, we to, to gain people's uh, uh, admiration and, and, and people's uh, uh, comment, uh, positive comments and so on. So somehow that, that leads us to, to be insecure in a way because we're not sure. We're not sure how people respond to us, right? So we, we, we're insecure. And, and, and so we, we want to drive us to want to perform, to, to really perform. So you see, some people, they are so driven, driven to perform, driven to get results, driven to be successful, driven, 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 right? Because there's that insecurity inside. Insecurity inside. And, and, and uh, it, create, it, it could create a, a lack of confidence and, or, or the other extreme of uh, inferior self-image is uh, being self-considered. You know, it's these two extremes. One extreme is, well, we, we are just not sure about ourselves and not confidence. The other extreme is self-considered. We think we can, you know, we, we, but, but we really can't. You know, but, but you, you see some people, they talk. They're so good at talking, you know, as if everything they can do. But you know, when it really uh, counts, they can't perform. So you have these two extremes. You know, one really, oh, not confidence. The other one seems to be very overconfident, but, but just can't come, uh, perform. It's just, it's just self-conceited. Okay, so all these are signs of, of insecurity uh, and, and inferior uh, self-image. Uh, that uh, they're projecting, you know, to their to their life, to their to their uh, how they live. And uh, so, if we if we lack self confidence, we will avoid risk. Some of us we never step up in faith. We just remain where we are. We remain in our comfort zone. We don't want to step up in faith because there are risks involved, right? And so, uh, uh, basically, we, we lack confidence and and. Uh, I think sometimes Christianity can also, if, if we didn't look at it uh, correctly, it can also affect us. Because we think that we've got to humble ourselves, we've got to uh, trust God. You know, you know I'm no good, I, I don't trust myself. You know, the only, only way uh, a person we can trust is God. But that is not true. You know, God definitely wants us to trust Him. But God also wants us to have self-confidence about ourselves. Because He has created us. He has created us and He says, very good. Okay, so, so we, there are times when I preach, you know, when I say you have to have confidence in yourself, you know, it's almost like the, the old baggage was still there, you know, that, that sense of feeling, are you saying the wrong thing, you know? You should ask people to trust in God, to have confidence in God, and you are saying, you know, you must have confidence in yourself. You see the, 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 the baggage thing that affects our, our mindset. Okay, so no, God wants us to be confident. He wants us to be confident about who we are because He has created us wonderfully. You know, and He has created us for for significance and for success and so on. Okay, right. Uh, 
So security actually comes from relationship. Relationship. You know, when we have that good relationship with our parents, with God, and so on, we feel secure. Okay, uh, it's not so much through performance, uh, achievement that we can uh, feel secure about ourselves. Okay. Uh, right. If we are driven, if we are depending on performance to to assess our own self worth, when we didn't get it. Okay, or rather when we fail in our performance, because we're depending on our performance to, to assess who, uh, our self-worth, we will go into uh, the blame game. Because we cannot acknowledge we are wrong. We cannot acknowledge we fail. That would means I'm no good. But I, I'm depending on my performance to, to, to say that I'm good. So I cannot acknowledge that I fail. So that's why you see people, some people, they keep arguing. They keep blaming, justifying, and so on. They would not acknowledge what they have done. Right? Because there's such an a, a inferior self-image insight, they cannot acknowledge that. Right? And uh, so, uh, the other thing is... Uh, If we receive too much criticism, scolding uh, as a child, uh, we, we feel that those people don't like us, right? Let's say our parents, you know, some, some parents, they, they tend to be more negative than positive. You know, we, we scold, uh, we seldom praise, we seldom affirm our kids and reward our kids in a positive way. But when they do wrong and, and when something happens, we, we tend to just scold them and so on. So what happens is our kids begin to just feel that, oh, they don't like me, they don't want me, you know, uh, and so on. So that would also uh, uh, create a negative uh, self-image. So if we are from a dysfunctional family where there's a lot of uh, scolding and fighting and, and criticism, negative words, the hurts that is in the child is being suppressed. Okay? We suppress that hurts and anger inside. So much so that eventually we're out of touch with reality. You know, in that sort of environment, kids grow up to defend themselves. They grow up to fight for themselves in order to survive. Right? So you will see them defending, you will see them arguing, you, you know, and, and, and when they grow older, when they grow older, it's very hard for them to accept that, that they've done wrong. You know, they're out of touch with reality of really what happened. Because they're brought up in that sort of environment and it really affects them. But if we are brought up from a well-adjusted family, you know, there's pretty peaceful, parents love each other, and so on. And still, because we are in an imperfect world, our parents, they are, although very good, but they are not perfect, right? So, and also because of sin nature that, that is in us. So we, we still tend towards the negative. Even though we are brought up in a, in a well-adjusted home, you know, where things seem to be very positive, right? We, we, we still tend to have a, a negative self-image because of uh, the, the sin nature and because no matter how good our parents are, they are, they are not perfect, right? And they are not meant to, to meet all our needs anyway. You know, God is, is, is to meet our needs. But these sort of people who grow up in this sort of family, when something happens, right, they, they tend to be easier, to acknowledge 
their faults, their wrong, and receive the correction that uh, that comes their way in comparison to those who are from a dysfunctional uh, family where they have to fight for their self-worth, you know, fight to prove themselves. Okay, um, so we all struggle, every one of us here, whether we are from... Uh, a good home, thank God for it, we were from it, but still, you know, we, we, we need to rec- recognize that we, we still struggle with our uh, self-image. Okay, right. Uh, so those early years, those early years affected us so much. And, and, and so they, I mentioned last night that uh, by age eight, according to what the experts are saying, you know, basically our self-image are already uh, form we have a pretty good idea you know about our self-worth about our self-image and so much so they are so ingrained in us that when we grow older even though we we become successful but that old baggage is still causing us to look at ourselves negatively right and uh, it's still uh, so, so some people, some people, even though now they are very successful, you know, or, or maybe they uh, they made it, you know, and, and, and they that's what they go for, you see, to, to affirm their, who they are. And, and they got the wealth they want, they got the position they want. But because of the negative self-image that was formed during their early childhood, outwardly, they seem fine, they seem great. But inside, the negative voice is still speaking. You are not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. So, so somehow inside, they're still not satisfied. They are still driven, you know, to perform more, better. You know, because of that voice that was there when they were young, the experience that, that was there, the, the voice that is still speaking to them, right? Affecting how they live. And, uh, okay, we talk about... Uh, how we perceive things that affect our self-image, how our relationship with our parents, uh, that will also affect our self-image. The other area is the role of Satan. Satan, how he affects how we look at things. Remember last night we talked about Satan came to tempt Jesus and want him to question who he is. And to uh, Many times, that sort of voices is in us too. You know, we feel that we need to prove ourselves through our performance, just like Satan uh, challenging uh, Jesus to prove himself. And, uh, but Satan uh, does more than just tempt us. He accuses us. He accuses us. Okay? On the one hand, he tempts us to question our values, question who we are, and so on. But he does more than that. He accuses us. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12.10 that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Accusers. So some of us, because of past failures, if we really do not know the grace of God, even though we, we may have believed Jesus and we have accepted Jesus, if we do not know the full extent of God's grace, we could still live with that condemnation in our hearts. The guilt, the condemnation that really presses down, that really, you know, sort of uh, stop us from 
rising up, stop us from breaking through into what God has done for us, what God has prepared for us. Accuser of the brethren. You know, so Satan accuses us and so we, we just look down on ourselves, we, we just feel bad. You know, so there's that fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of being punished uh, that grips our hearts uh, because of what Satan is, is doing uh, in our life. Right, so Satan come, tempt us, cause us to doubt, cause us, cause us to question, and he accuses, especially when we fail, and, uh, and uh, so he holds us bound in those prisons so that we, we don't really know who we are. Okay, the other thing is, what if, you know, that, that's a, the way of the world. What if I've been successful? It depends on my wealth. It depends on my performance. It depends on my position. It depends on all these things to, to ascertain, you know, my own worth. And I've been pretty successful in it. We've we got to watch out. Okay, we gotta watch out. Uh, in the Bible, there is the the rich young ruler in Matthew nineteen sixteen to twenty four. We know this young rich ruler; he was very successful in life, and in fact, he has done well. He has performed well morally, business wise, religiously. You know, he has done well. Okay, and uh, the key to understand. This man is in what he said to Jesus. You know, let's turn to Matthew 19. Matthew 19 verse uh, 16. You see, the key to understand his, his mindset and, and what he values and so on is in, in verse 16. He said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life. What good thing I must do to get eternal life? You see, this man, throughout his life, he has been depending on his performance to get what he has. To get his self, to, to gain his self-worth, to, to ascertain who he is. And he depends on all these things. And now he, he's, he's asking Jesus, you know, what, what must he do to get, to get eternal life? And, and when Jesus asked him to, to sell everything and give to the poor and come and follow, follow him, uh, he struggled. He could not do that. Because he depended all this thing, on, on all these things to ascertain his own worth. To build up his self-image. And now, if this, all these things were to be given away, you know, what, would, what does, does it make him to be? Nothing, right? You know, because he's depending on all those things. And, and so, that's why he struggled. That's why he cannot let go. Because he has depended on all these things to build up his life, you know, to build up how he perceives himself. Okay, so, so sometimes success can also uh, deceive us to a certain extent because we depend on those things, right? We depend on our performance to ascertain who we are. And so uh, that's our basis of, of, of judging who we are. But that's not right. 
Okay, that's the the worst ways. You know what I've talked to you uh, last night is the worst way. You know what we do. But uh, uh, we're going to move on uh, in a little while to to see that how we can have a right self-image about ourselves. Okay, so if we have an inadequate self-image, you know, how do we look at ourselves? We tend to focus on ourselves and our own needs. Because in our hearts, we're just crying for people to, to love us, accept us, to reassure us that we are wanted and so on. You know, so all our energy are used up to, to, to get our needs met. Okay, we have not much time for other people. We have no time for other people because we're all consumed with self. And when we have a negative self-image, you know, other people's opinion, their praise, their criticism are very important. So we tend to be very sensitive because those words that they speak would determine how we look at ourselves. Right? So we tend to be very sensitive, you know, in what people say. Especially when they criticize us, wow, we react, you know, very aggressively because, you know, we, we don't want to, to feel that we are, we are not worthy, we are no good, and so on. Okay, so that's uh, how we look at ourselves. And our view of life, if we have negative self image, we tend to be fearful. Just now I talk about the lack of self confidence. We tend to be pessimistic about things, about life. And we have a persecution complex. You know, people are always against us. That sort of mindset. Okay? Uh, some people, right, we, we, we know people who, who have persecution complex. They think that everybody's against them. You know, when you tell them something that they, they, they should know and something that they should correct, they feel that everybody, you know, who told you, you know, why people talk, to, talk, talk about me like that and so on. Right? Because there's a negative self-image. Right, And then performance-wise, how well can you perform when you feel that you are no good, when you feel that you are not capable and, and, and so on, uh, not worthy and so on? You, you cannot perform that well. In fact, you perform below your potential, what you can do, what you can be. You perform below. And then in your relationship with others, often you are threatened by others, you are afraid to open up about yourself, about your life. You tend to have a mask on because you don't want people to know, know your weaknesses, right? Because uh, you want to project a good image, you see. So, so, uh, uh, so you tend to close up. And uh, as far as God is concerned, you find it difficult to trust God. Because in your heart, there will be a lot of questions. Why? God, why did you allow this thing happen to me? You know, why am I suffering uh, all this thing in my life and so on? So you find it hard to, to, to trust God. I think one person that we can think of in the Bible that you can relate to is Gideon. We're going to talk about him a little bit later on, so I'm not going to talk too much about uh, Gideon. But, but Gideon cannot trust God. He has a lot of questions. Why? 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 Okay, so a uh, very negative uh, person, a uh, negative self-image. Uh, uh, so, so that's, that's what happened uh, with a, a negative 
self-image。